hello Essence Place. Today starts into another Sunday in our series, A Church Like Christ. As you know, we've been studying the book of Ephesians, looking at Paul's letter to the early church in Ephesus and the reminders that come with it of the power of the the mysterious will of God, God's mysterious plan that's being unfolded through Christ Jesus, and how the the amazing part of the work that was happening in Ephesus and, and then really all around the world as the message spread was that God was building a new family that was a multiracial, multi-ethnic, a diverse family that was being brought together in the unity and the power of who Christ Jesus is. And that's that same message that's coming to us today through Paul's words. Over the last few weeks as we've been studying this, we've realized that Paul is writing from a place that's so theologically deep and rich that it speaks to us not just of what the ancient world was and the early church as it was developing, but actually seeing the power of what Paul is naming for today, for here and now. We've seen what it means to be adopted into the family of God, knowing that we are sons and daughters through Christ Jesus. And with that adoption comes this rich inheritance in Christ Jesus. And that um, we saw even last Sunday in the first part of, of chapter three, how God was was speaking to this unity that comes out of the diversity of the church and how um, as a church, we display the manifold wisdom of God. We talk about that word manifold, mean, meaning like a, like a rich tapestry or beautiful wildflowers and all their different colors that come together to make this beautiful display of God's wisdom, of God's grace, and God's love. And so today, what we want to do is continue into the next part of chapter 3. I prayed it for you last Sunday as a prayer of blessing over our church, and hopefully you've been studying it and looking at it, and even starting to take these next few verses and praying them over your own life. But one of the things we saw was that this prayer that Paul prays comes from this part where it's almost like Paul gets caught up in the wonder of what he's talking about. And he says, because of all of this, I just need to pray and I need to pray for you. And so as we look at these words today, let them speak to you by the power of Christ Jesus. In a lot of ways, we are praying this prayer that Paul uh, is praying in Ephesians chapter 3. We've been praying it since, honestly, the beginning of Essence Place. We've talked about this prayer uh, many times, even in this year, at the beginning of the year, uh, through our Emotionally Healthy Spirituality series. And so as we arrive back at this passage, um, it brings us, again, to a point of, of centering, of of who has God called us to be as followers of Christ um, in our individual walk with Christ, but who has God called us to be and how has God called us to live in uh, a collective way, in a community of faith? And, and so who has God called Essence Place to be? So some of what we are addressing here in this passage or we're going to bring to light through this passage is looking at, um, you know, Paul prays this idea of our roots growing down deep. And so uh, what are the areas and uh, places in our life uh, and in our community where roots need to grow down deeper? Or maybe there are roots that are present there that actually need to be pulled up and removed so that way new roots can be put down. And then looking at the aspect of culture, what does it mean to build um, a culture within a community? We we're talking a lot about culture in our um, our world right now in the U.S 
U.S., U.S. culture, American culture, Christian culture, um, but looking at it in regards to a community of faith of what, uh, even specifically for Essence Place, what kind of culture are we called to cultivate? And it doesn't happen accidentally. Uh, ne there needs to be an intentionality there. And so we're going to bring to light some aspects, um, looking at who we want to be as Essence Place, what has God called us to be. Uh, and so we're actually going to break down this passage over two weeks. So this week and next week, um, if you know, you probably, a lot of you know by now, like I love this passage. It is one of my uh, favorite prayers that Paul prays um, in the New Testament. And uh, one of the reasons why I love it so much is that it is reflective of what Jesus prayed uh, to the Father, to, to God in uh, John, in John chapter 17. And it's reflective of this language that Jesus used multiple times in his teachings of what it meant to dwell with the Father, what it meant to be at home with the Father. And so let's look at it and then we'll start, we'll start digging into it. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 14 through 21 uh, it says, When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. As Brad said, what a theologically rich passage. There's so much here, which is why we're going to break it down over the next two weeks. And so this week we're gonna just, we're gonna look at an overview of the passage of some of the key points that Paul is praying here and then look at what that, how that translates into building a, a healthy church culture or a healthy culture here at Essence Place. Um, so first we need to see the basis of Paul's prayer uh, was his knowledge of God's purpose. It was because of what God had done in Christ and had revealed to Paul that Paul even had the, the uh, necessary authority to pray boldly. And uh, something that's really interesting to note here is the language that is use, it says, I fall to my knees and I pray. This speaks of the intensity at what, uh, at what Paul was feeling and what he was experiencing and sensing as in his spirit, because um, among the Jews, it was usual to actually stand to pray. And so kneeling for prayer, um, though it's become a regular part of maybe our Christian practice or attitude at times, it was formerly uh, an expression of deep emotion. And from that posture, we are understanding Paul's words here. And so if you just picture Paul, falling to his knees, his knees with just this, um, again, pleading with the Lord that God, uh, through Christ Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would work on behalf of the body of Christ, um, the people that Paul loved and is leading. So Paul prays first that they would be strengthened. So that's the first thing we're looking at is strength. Um, Paul's building uh, this interlocking framework for experiencing God's mighty power that that's within us to, to accomplish more than we could ever 
ask or think. And if we're, we are in this season right now where this prayer is so applicable, where we are praying and needing God to move beyond what we actually can comprehend. Because when we look at the situations that are in front of us and we, we project ahead into the future, our mind actually cannot wrap around exactly what God is doing. And, and it cannot wrap around how, where we're going to go or where we're heading from here. And so we uh, can be encouraged and find strength in God to know that we serve a sovereign God who accomplishes more than we could ever imagine or think. And so he says, I pray from his glorious unlimited resources. These are unlimited resources. So many of us right now feel uh, limited in, in, in all types of resources where we feel like we just, it, it's not enough. And yet we are praying to a God, we are serving a God and trusting in a God who has unlimited resources that will empower us with inner strength through his spirit. And then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. So having Christ dwelling in us and having the, the spirit dwelling in us are the same thing. It's this idea again that um, Jesus prays of, of us making a home with the father or being one with the father. It's by the spirit that Christ dwells in our hearts and it is strength which God gives us when God's spirit dwells there. The experience of Christ in you was this mysterious plan and privilege of the Gentile believers. In Galatians, it says that um, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. This idea of us becoming one with Christ, of intertwining our identity, taking over, in fact, our identity with Christ and becoming rooted and established in Him. So when Paul talks of Christ making his home in your heart, it's not this temporary Airbnb situation. It's a powerful word in the Greek meaning to become a resident of. It's an integration into um, a fabric of a social structure. So as we trust in Jesus, there's a transforming process of literally Christ taking up residence within our hearts and being established in Christ. And first John, or not sorry, first John, but John chapter 17, as I mentioned just a moment ago in verses 21 through 23, um, we see these words. Paul's not, again, Paul's not just uh, creating just this random imagery or just kind of pulling out a good metaphor of a home. He is using words that are reflective of what Jesus prayed and what Jesus taught would happen as we come into relationship and belonging through Christ Jesus. And we see this, for example, in John 17, verses 21 through 23, Jesus is praying. It says that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may, brought, may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. We see it again in Jesus' words. In John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus is promising the disciples to not, uh, the, as he leaves them, he's not going to leave them as orphans, but that through the power of the Holy Spirit, they would dwell with the Father. In verse 23, it says, Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. So at the center of our being, we have a new king, a new identity through Christ Jesus. And so um, Paul does it, Paul does qualify and even Jesus qualifies it. It's that Paul says it's as you trust in him. 
And Jesus qualifies it and says, as you obey my teaching. So as we become more like Jesus, as we follow more of the way of Jesus, as we begin to be those ambassadors of Christ, as we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, being reconciled to Christ and being reconciled to one another, that is the home that is being built and the roots that are are growing down deep so that we can be empowered and strengthened to live according to God's promises and according to the mission of God. And yet the reality is, is that we at times falter in this. And that's some of what we are going to talk about today and this week. One of the things that's so amazing about this is, is we see the active work of Jesus um, making a home in our hearts and, and this idea of being strengthened in, in Christ Jesus. And in one sense, it's a complete, it's a done work. But at the same time, it's a continual work that's happening. It's that mystery of, of God that's like both happening here and now, and it's not fully complete yet. And so there's this kind of um, amazing part that starts to come together that we see where Paul is talking about, you know, being strengthened from this place of being in Christ Jesus. But then look at the very next statement he says. It's a statement connected to love. So it's like there's strength, there's love. He says, your roots will grow down into God's love and it will keep you strong. You know, this is one of the things about this new, new hum- humanity that is God's family. It's it's those who are brothers and sisters being brought together, um, who love one another. They love God, and and they're working to actively love God and love one another. And then through that process, what it's doing is it's bringing an empowerment from the Holy Spirit to see roots that begin to go down deep. And it's the Holy Spirit. It's it's the Spirit of Christ Jesus that is enabling. Uh, believers to do that in both in Paul's day and today now. It's not just us by our own efforts trying to live that out from this Paul of prayer of like, okay, well, you know, Paul, Paul prays this, um, this prayer of Paul, I said that backward, but it's, it's understanding that it's not just something we see in scripture, but it's the active work of God that's happening in us. And as it's doing, so Paul's using this imagery of roots that grow down deep. When we read it in um, other translations, we see these words that talk about, and almost like a literal way, Paul is saying it's like deep roots and it's a, it's a firm foundation that is found in Christ Jesus and the work that Christ Jesus is doing in you. The ESV translates these verses saying, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to carry out what comes next in Paul's prayer. And so it's important for us to recognize that we are being made alive in Christ. It's this this way that um, as the roots grow down deep into God's love, it's this kind of interweaving together of us and our spirit with God's spirit. It's us being united with our creator, with our maker, and and allowing these roots to to penetrate down into the deep soil of our life. This is the way in which Jesus is becoming, he's, he's becoming every part of our life, moving into every area, like through and through. These roots are digging down deep. And so Paul's wanting us to see that there's this strength and love that comes out of Christ Jesus that gives us a, a staying power, like a, a firm hold um, through, you know, through storms, through trouble, through difficulty. Paul wants us to understand that as the roots grow deep, then we have the ability to withstand the storms of life. You know, we live close to the coast. Unfortunately, we don't have a whole lot of palm trees near us. But if you travel south and 
and you move to areas where you see palm trees, they look beautiful, right? Like, it, you know, you're on the West Coast, the East Coast, you see the palm trees, it feels tropical. It makes you really just feel that, that way of like being at the beach, you really love it. But one of the things we always see after uh, a tropical storm or hurricane moves through is palm trees, they don't withstand the storm. And the reason why is they have a root structure that doesn't go deep. It's shallow and a lot of times in sandy soil and it can't withstand the storm. But one of the things we see after those storms go through is trees like oak trees that are these big solid trees have roots that grow deep. So the storm may pass over, they may lose limbs, they may see leaves ripped off of their branches, but they have the power to stand strong because they have a root structure that grows really deep. And Paul's drawing from that imagery and saying that when the, the roots of Christ Jesus and your roots have gone down deep into the soil of God's love, then you have the ability to stand strong. We see it in Romans, another um, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans chapter 8, Paul says this, Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? I mean, Paul's like naming some of the most extreme things. Like, does that mean that he no longer loves us? And in verse 36, as the scriptures say, for your sake, we are killed every day. We are being slaughtered like sheep. And then he responds to his own question and says, no, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is what happens when the roots grow down deep. It gives us strength to be able to withstand the inevitable storms of life. So we have to ask ourselves, how are we trusting in Jesus, as Paul says? He says, if you trust in Jesus, then, then there's this strength, this, the roots that begin to grow down deep. Ask yourself, like, how am I trusting in Jesus? This isn't just like a, you know, a wish and a hope that we throw out there, but it's saying, how am I building my faith on that solid and firm foundation, seeing roots that grow down deep, of having a firm foundation that will hold me through anything that I may experience in life? You know, sometimes we can think of those storms of life as being like the external storms around us, you know, things related to the economy, our jobs, um, things even within our family or a pandemic. And those those are very real storms. But sometimes the storms of life are the, the places within us that seem chaotic, that seem out of control, the places in our life that have those undealt with pains that we carry with us, those, those experiences of harm that we've walked through in the past that still kind of have residence in, in the home within our heart. And so as Paul praises, part of what he's praying is out of the strength, out of the love of Christ Jesus, Jesus wants to take up residence in your heart, but that may mean that you've got to do some surrendering to the work of God in your life. As those roots continue to grow down deep, that may mean a cultivating, an uprooting of some things that are there. Or as you build that foundation on Christ Jesus, it may mean tearing up an old foundation that really wasn't strong enough to withstand the storms of your life. But as Paul uh, says all of this, he's praying it with a hope and a faith in the strength and the love of Christ Jesus. 
That leads us to another challenging question uh, is how healthy is the soil of our soul? There's a parable that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13 and two other times in the gospels as well. We're not gonna get into the depths of it today uh, because we don't have time, but I encourage you to go and read uh, through that parable. But he tells uh, this parable of the soil and he explains what that means uh, to those he's teaching. And uh, what he's talking about here is he's explaining several different types of soil that when the word or the truth of God uh, tries to take root, it's not able to because the soil is unhealthy. And so he refers to uh, so, uh, soil that is rocky ground um, and that is, is broken. So when the seed or the seed is talking about the word of God here or the truth of God, seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy, but because they have no root, they only last a short time. The seed only lasts a short time. Um, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is seed that's sown along the path that doesn't actually go into the soil at all. Um, it also talks about uh, the seed falling among the thorns, refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But then he says this, he says, the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop, yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. So many times Jesus uses this concept of healthy soil or of, of healthy foundation to allow the truth of God and the work of Christ Jesus to go down deep into uh, the soil or the soul of our hearts. And um, this goes well beyond external behavior. It goes well beyond external practice. Um, you know, it goes well beyond any sort of external work. It has to start deep, deep, within our inner world, our inner life. It's why we talk at Essence Place so much about deep inward discipleship that goes well beyond the surface and goes to the depths of our soul, addressing these areas in our life, whether it be unhealthy roots that have been established from childhood through family system, through, uh, you know, trauma, uh, traumatic experiences, uh, grief, loss, culture, um, our, our society, you know, all of these things impact what roots are in the soil of our soul. And there are things, as Brad said, that need to be uprooted and need to be pulled out. And then we need to cultivate a healthy soil so that when uh, we are reading God's root, uh, word, it grows down deep. When we are receiving uh, the truth of God, it grows down deep. It's only then that we will truly be able, as Paul is praying, to have the knowledge, which is the next point, the knowledge and uh, power to understand how deep and how wide God's love is for us. Paul has prayed for strength. He's prayed that we would uh, experience God's love, and he's praying for us to experience God's knowledge. This is what he says in verse 18. And may you have the power to understand, to have this knowledge, to comprehend as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. So here it's like Paul is saying, it's not just about being rooted and, and grounded in God's love, but I pray that you would comprehend God's love, that there would be this ability to have a knowledge that exceeds beyond just 
um, life and, and intentions, but actually move to a place of comprehension. And he says, not only that you will comprehend it, but that in God's love, this limitless love of God, that you would be able to explore the, the fullness of it, the full length of it, the height, the depth of it, that you would just spend a lifetime experiencing the limitless love of God. So it's almost kind of like this interesting twist that Paul puts in there of a God and his love that is limitless, that you would be able to comprehend it, that you would be able to experience it and know it. And it moves us beyond a place of just having a, having a head knowledge about who God is or, or having best intentions, but moving to a place of truly experiencing and comprehending it. As Christ uh, takes up a home in our heart, as, as roots grow down deep, that we would be able to move into a place of having a, a comprehension of God's love, this, this ability to experientially encounter the love of God. And you have to remember for the Ephesians, you know, contextually, they're in a culture with a very developed religious system uh, for the Jews and that was focused on the temple and, and worship in the temple. And then even for those that were worshiping the Greek gods and had the idols to the Greek gods, those are very tangible systems of worship. But to move into a place of, of following Jesus, it, it becomes less tangible because it's not represented by an idol that you can see with your eyes or a temple that you would go to, to, to make a sacrifice as you worship God. But it's now experientially moved to the interior of your heart, the center of your being. And so Paul is saying that out of that experience, I pray that you would have a knowledge and a comprehension of the fullness of God's love, the limitless boundaries of God's love, that you would walk in it all the days of your life. As Paul is naming this for the Ephesians, we realize that we're named in that as well, of having this same temptation like the Ephesians would have to return to a, a systemized religion or an idol worship. Uh, for us, we have systems and structures that um, tempt us, that draw us in to want to wanna put our, our hope, our faith, our trust in, even maybe unconsciously not recognizing we're doing that. And maybe that's one of the gifts of this season that we've been in of response to, to COVID and having the country shut down, having churches um, not able to meet with regular systems of worship and, and regular programming and having to shift to a place of moving back to experiencing God and his fullness through Christ Jesus in our hearts and our spirits, like, like Paul is naming and realizing that that is a collective, like Paul ends this verse in saying that as all God's people should, you should be moving to this place of, of a pursuit and a desire to, to have comprehension, to have this knowledge of God's love, this limitless knowledge of God's love, and to explore the boundaries of it, those un, unreached places of the height, the depth, the, the, the width of God's love, and to experience it and to live that out without being in a place of feeling as though we have to make it all the cerebral knowledge and, and and having everything programmed out perfectly. And, and when those things are, are shifted away, when like in this season that we've been in of not being able to, to meet as we regularly would or, or not having uh, regular church activities like we would, what is it that's underpinning our faith? And if it's only those uh, program-driven things, we've probably moved to a place of worshiping uh, an information or an idea of God rather than being in a place of, of being able to comprehend the fullness of God's love in our lives. Yeah, I think that's that's the next point. And number four is fullness, the, the knowledge to comprehend uh, the infinite greatness of Christ's love for us is directly tied to the fullness of being able to comprehend and understand and receive 
the fullness of Christ's love for us. In verse 19, Paul says, May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete or whole with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Fullness is this reoccurring word in Ephesians, just like in Paul's letter uh, to the Colossians. In Colossians, Paul tells us not only that God's fullness dwells in Christ, but also that in Christ, we ourselves have come to fullness. In Colossians chapter two, verse six through seven, it says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. We can see here, just as we see in Ephesians, that Paul's uh, wording and phrasing and language all points to the, the need for an active, ongoing, continual participation in the work of Christ in our lives and with each other through the body of Christ. We can see it here. It says, he says, um, you must continue to follow him. Uh, you're let your roots grow down, let your lives be built, and then you will, uh, your faith will grow strong in the truth. So it's this continue, continual forward moving that it's not something that just gets established and it's done, but it's something um, just as we've talked about uh, in, in the work of reconciliation uh, to one another and, and that even in our sanctification, sanctification process that we're working out ourselves the Bible says we're working out our salvation um, that we are being reconciled uh, to Christ Jesus and to one another and that it's this again it, it's overall in summary is this idea that we are actively engaged and we are actively participating but the key is that we're not just doing it as individuals that we're not just doing uh, we've talked about this this is so much of what Ephesians points to is this work that it's through the collective body of Christ of being in relationship with one another and being in community with one another the Bible says the iron sharpens iron uh, and that the purpose of the body of Christ is for edification and encouragement and fellowship with one another that we edify one another we we sharpen one another when we live in relationship with each other. And so it's this uh, kind of uh, simultaneous work of, of committing ourselves individually. Uh, God do in me uh, as you desire to do, transform my yes. life, change my life, let your roots grow down deep in me so then that way I can then love others well and I can be transformed together in relationship with others. And so that shifts us into this final part that we're going to look at in, in application of what does that mean then for, for the body of Christ and what does that mean for even our our community at Essence Place? You know, we have, um, Brad and I have talked a lot over the last several months during this just strange season uh, about culture and about, you know, the, the community of Essence Place and, and vision and, and mission and really just seeking God's heart um, and discerning, you know, what what is is happening right now that uh you know uh, making sure that the vision is on track and the mission is on track because so many of our structures again so many of our structures and systems have been pulled out but even though they've been pulled out we should be able to still be on mission on vision and and cultivating uh the culture of god the culture of the family of god 
that Christ Jesus taught about, um, you know, spoke about the kingdom of God culture. I'm not talking about the world culture. I'm not talking even about Christian, American, westernized church culture. I'm talking about the the culture of the kingdom of God that Jesus gave pretty clear prescription for all throughout his time on earth. And then now you have Paul and others that are are bringing that back and, and helping the churches then and the churches now stay centered and stay rooted and grounded in the culture that Jesus has defined. We need a Jesus defining culture. And that is not necessarily what is existing in American Christianity right now. And so we want to, we want to look at God, what have you called essence place? You know, we have core values, we have a vision and we have a mission and we talk about it we preach about it we teach about it. We disciple through it since we started Essence Place. And God works through that. But we want to establish some cultural principles that that we believe are are a working foundation as as God helps us grow as a community. They're a working foundation. So before we jump into this this last part here, I want to define, you know, what is culture? How do you even define culture? And and so what I'm looking at here is I'm I'm kind of using some definitions coming from from my work in multiculturalism and and understanding how culture gets developed over time. Um, But we're looking at it. Culture can um, be defined as including shared ideas and and shared values and shared beliefs between members of a group. So it can it can be in a smaller group, a family, you have a family culture. Um, It can be within a a race or ethnic culture. It can be within um, country or within a church or or honestly any sort of social system or institution uh, that is present. Culture encompasses um, race, socioeconomic status, language, ethnicity, all of those kinds of things when you're looking at it as uh, from a perspective of of a social system. But here's where I think it's important that we we kind of wrap our minds around a, a framework of an understanding of cultures, a cultural worldview is the fact that it impacts everything that we think, everything that we do, the way that we view the world. And um, a cultural worldview is, is what defines how we see others, how we view ourselves, and how we view the world, and ultimately how we view God. And so um, if we can take kind of that, that understanding and knowledge and and apply it to what Paul is talking about here. Paul is talking about a cultural shift. He is talking about a completely uh, different frame of mind, a completely different frame of understanding of um, of religion of of the the world to, to coming back to the core of the kingdom of God again a Jesus defining culture and so um, we need to understand that culture doesn't just happen uh, that culture has to be uh, is created and shaped and maintained and so if we want to not have culture define the outside culture define us but we want to define culture and we're defining it in Jesus way and and the Work of Christ, then we have to be intentional about establishing that and intentional about um, defining that through both individuals, like in a community and in relationship with one another. And this is truly, this is part of allowing our roots to grow down deep into God's love to keep us strong, um, that we will experience a change in the way that we love in the way that we relate to one another, in the way that we disciple one another, in the way that we serve one another, in the way that we give to one another. 
um, we will experience a shift from culture and it will look different than the world. It yeah. should look different than the world. And, and really when you compare uh, the, the culture of this world and even the, the culture of a lot of uh, unfortunately westernized Christianity to the culture of Jesus and what he taught, uh, it doesn't line up a lot. And so we need to continually bring ourselves rooted back into the word right. of God and, and to look at what Jesus taught. And so what we, what we have decided to do and trying to develop a, a language for cultural values is to look at Peter Scazzaro's, um, uh, he calls it six marks of a church culture that deeply changes lives. And so we've talked a lot about uh, emotionally healthy spirituality and use a lot of that discipleship curriculum here at the church. We, we greatly value um, the work and the way that we see it resembling, um, you know, the principles that, that Jesus taught and the, the principles of really allowing um, discipleship to grow beneath the surface and, and mm -hmm. to, again, that the, to, to the soil of our soul and the, creating those deep roots. And so we are um, borrowing and using, he gives permission to do that, of borrowing and using that language um, to help us start working towards defining um, the cultural language. Uh, and so number one, he looks at slowed down spirituality. That is something we've talked about at Essence Place uh, for a while now. Number And Brad's gonna go through these just real quick in a second, but number two, integrity and leadership. Number three, beneath the surface discipleship. Number four, healthy community. Number five, passionate marriages, families, which is our ad and singleness. And number six, every person in full-time ministry. And so um, Brad's gonna go through those just really quickly uh, as we end our time here. But that's some, these are gonna be things that we're gonna start working through and adapting um, into our language and into our culture here at Essence Place. Paul's prayer is a culture-defining prayer. It's a reminder to the Ephesians of, of how important it is to um, not be identified by the culture of this world, but be identified by our identity in Christ Jesus. And so when we look at these six marks of um, a church that deep, sees deep transformation in people's lives, these are just a way of, of kind of bringing some categories, as you heard Pastor Kristen read through these. We'll explore even more and bring some application next Sunday as we continue to look at these verses um, from Paul. But as we read through these, the things that we see is that there's a slowed down spirituality. It means that we slow down the pace of our life and how we live to actually intentionally be with Jesus and recognize that being with Jesus actually is the thing that overflows and transforms the rest of our life. It becomes the source of strength for us. Um, to have integrity and leadership means, yes, people in as pastors in leadership, but for anybody that's in a place of influencing others, that's committed to culture, is saying that we're not going to pretend to be something on the outside that we aren't actually living out on the inside, whether that's just internally in our own lives or even the internal culture of the church. We're not gonna act one way inside that we don't act on the outside. That's integrity through and through. Beneath the surface discipleship, it goes back to that imagery that we talked about in emotionally healthy spirituality of seeing transformation that's happening beneath the surface, like that picture of an iceberg. And we need to grow in self-awareness because we realize that that's where change actually starts to happen. We can't have change in areas that we aren't aware of. And so it's being willing to have beneath the surface discipleship that goes beyond just Sunday morning sermons, but seeing it as real life lived out of being transformed by God. And that is, that is then what gives us healthy community, that gives us the ability to relate to one another 
um, in, in healthy ways that honor Christ, of using the tools and practices that um, help us to love one another in the way that Jesus has taught us to love. And then your Pastor Krista mentioned healthy marriages, families, and, and even healthy singleness. What does that mean to have integrity in, in our life in those ways of realizing that we need to model God's passionate love for the world out of the way that we, we live in relationship, both in our marriages and our families, and, and even out of our singleness, um, and seeing the impact that that has, and, and living in a way that's passionate for God in that. And then finally, the concept of every person in full-time ministry. What does that mean? It's recognizing that um, every believer, every follower of Jesus Christ has been commissioned, has been sent with a purpose to be in ministry for Christ and honoring God um, in the, the whole of our life, of walking in the authority of Christ Jesus in our work, in our play, in, in every part of our daily life and realizing that is a full-time calling for every person. So as you can see, these are some things that we've already been talking about and working to establish here at Essence Place over the last two and a half years, but recognizing that there is deep work of identifying and shifting culture that God still desires to do in us and will continue to do as we grow in that comprehension of the fullness of God's love. Many of these principles are things that we have, we, again, we've preached about, we've talked about them, we've, um, you know, tried to, to work to cultivate these, this type of culture here at Essence Place, um, but we believe it's time to put some definition to it, you know, mm -hmm. to really establish, you know, just the way, um, even overly practical, you know, of making it clear uh, what, where we're headed towards and making it clear what we believe um, about the the culture of the kingdom of God and who we should be as ones who are part of, of that kingdom of God. And so these are not, um, you know, these are not verses out of the Bible. This is not, you know, some sort of hard defining, you know, scriptural truths, but they are reflective of, uh, again, the, the teachings of Jesus and reflective of the whole of scripture and the whole work of God in our lives. And so we liked the language. We, we want to use some of that language and then continue to develop it and adapt it um, for, for our community. Um, but in the end, you know, uh, it is our, our desire and our prayer uh, on a regular basis as pastors um, that we do not just, uh, you know, be a part of a, a church with a system of doing things, you know, um, a church where we just kind of come together and, you know, we we play church, you know, and uh, and we're just kind of managing the playtime, <laughs> you know, whether it's on a Sunday morning or it's um, a gathering like we're gathering tonight at a picnic. Um, you know, our heart and our prayer is that uh, lives are being deeply changed and deeply transformed. And there are so many aspects about um, the life that Jesus calls us to that is radical and is countercultural. Um, and it creates, and, and if we do it in the right way, if we live it in the right way, it can create a countercultural sense, even about our faith community. And we're okay with that. Um, and so we want to continue to invite you to be a part of that, you know, to consider your, your place as an individual of the work that God is doing in you as an individual, but the, of how it relates and it connects to the, the greater whole and the greater collective here, here at Essence Place. I want to pray for us as we end our time together. And I think one of the wonderful blessings as pastors that we have, uh, the, one of the blessings we have as pastors 
is getting to walk with you and seeing you experience this transformation in your life. It has been amazing and we just continue to look forward to all that God will continue to do in you and in us together. So as we pray now, let's commit God's word to our hearts and make a commitment to, to reading these words of Paul and praying this prayer over our life, over our family, over our loved ones, over our church. So let's pray together now. God, I thank you for the work that you are doing in this world. Jesus, uh, we're reminded of the fact that you didn't just walk this earth and teach us how to live and then leave this earth, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you strengthen us to live for you. You give us the ability to have uh, you taking up residence in our heart, of seeing your love um, be the very thing that are roots that grow down deep, that yeah. hold us in the storms of life. The fact that you call us to comprehending the fullness of your love and to live in that, that awareness daily. And so I pray, God, that you would draw us deeper and deeper into you. I pray, God, you give us the strength to uproot those things in our lives that don't need to be there, the things that no longer serve us in, in our understanding of you or ourselves or one another, that you would give us the ability to trust you in the uncertainty of what may come next, but know, God, that you're giving us the faith and the trust to be able to walk with you in it. I pray, Jesus, that uh, you would give us a, just a comprehension of what it means to live radically different in this world and to be a church that's defined by a culture that comes from you and not a culture of this world or any other thing, but God, that our culture of how we relate to one another would come from you and you alone. So in the words of Christ, I pray this. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and I pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep is his love. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to, to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now to all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen.